Ooh, intimate. That is intimate. Where we get intimate with our microphones. We are we are very intimate with our microphones. Micah has just recovered from being sick. Are you feeling good? Are you happy to be with us? Yeah. Maybe? No, I'm always happy to be with you guys. Oh. I was just uh, a little under the weather. Okay. So uh, I'm going to try and make it through. Uh, Everyone's under the weather, Micah. It's in the sky. That's true. Damn. You know, it was a bright yourself. and sunny day. It actually hit 70 today in Chicago. Oh, I thought you were going to start like on this chapter that we're... Uh, Supposed to get into. I thought it was going to be a transition. In Westeros. Oh, oh no! It was. But a go ahead. Sunny no, please tell us. I was very happy to to experience <laughs> you know warm t-shirt weather. Really, um, this late in the game, our, wow, our, yeah. our, the end of October, days before Halloween. We had some some serious like it is cold as balls between fall and winter weather today. So we are we're in it here in Seattle. Yeah, it, it was a little bit warmer here in New York than uh, than normal, but. Uh, I can feel it. Winter is coming. Are we really talking about the weather? Yeah. Well, oh, somebody somebody threw it out there. I think it was Something Eric. This level. Eric, blame it on you me. Would. You know, I'm looking. But for see, a the best part of the, the the transition is here. The best part is you can always tie it back to winter is coming. Right. That's true. Right, that's true. No matter what weather you're talking about. Well, in Arya's chapter, we begin with the rains came. Mm. Oh, <laughs> it's just a okay. type of weather. <laughs> that is a type of weather. Kate, why don't That's you read I thought that Eric was originally going will, with all this. I will this. read that first paragraph. The rains came and went, but there was more gray sky than blue, and all the streams were running high. On the morning of the third day, Arya noticed that the moss was growing mostly on the wrong side of the trees. We're going the wrong way, she said to Gendry, as they rode past an especially mossy elm. We're going south. See how the moss is growing on the trunk? He pushed thick black hair from eyes and said, <laughs> there's, a, there's a word missing there. Oh, yeah. And, I have that typo, too. He pushed thick black hair from eyes. From and eyes. Said, We're following the road. That's all. The road goes south here. So Arya is still with uh, the, the Brotherhood Without Banners, and they're traveling together, ha- having met up with Harwin. Blessed old Harwin at the inn. Um, and we find out that Hot Pie has indeed taken a job. He talked to himself. He presented his his oral resume and um, <laughs> received a job baking bread as a result. Look, oral times resume. are tough. Let's just, let's just focus on how many characters in Westeros have oral resumes. Um, well, quite a few. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you been to Baelish's? <laughs> I haven't. One of these days, though, that's going to be that would be quite the establishment. The stop at the the Westeros theme park that we're always talking about designing. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we should totally do that. That would be a great idea. I forgot Al-Yayas. that we talked about that. Aliyayas, except the lines would be terrible. Arya is traveling, and this this chapter is somewhat uneventful. We find out about Hot Pie. Um, we talk to Harwin, and uh, she ruminates on some things uh we hear about the battle where ned apparently sent i can't i I forgot about this happening but he sent 20 men um from uh winter king's landing winterfell 20 from winterfell and 20 from king's landing right yeah it's uh way back in a game of thrones and Mm -hmm. i think they actually had this on the um the first season as well uh 
the uh, there is somebody who comes before Ned when he's sitting in for Robert, and um, Ned puts out the decree for uh, Gregor Clegane's head, and he sends Beric Dondarrion and mm-hmm. some of um, the men from Winterfell out after the mountain and those that were responsible for basically raping and pillaging the lands of this man who who came before to sort of beg for Ned's mercy right. to do something about it. I, I agree with you though. It's it's a relatively uneventful chapter. I think you know it's it's best summed up as Arya's on a horse, and that's about well, it. Well, yeah, no, 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 no. Don't no, be no. too quick to no, say. No, no, I know. What I like about this, there is an arc to this chapter, which <laughs> is more than I can say for the next chapter, which is Sam drolling on and on and on and on uh-huh. how his life sucks. But Arya um, gradually learns that there, or she realizes that she's not going where she wants to go. She's realizing that these men are not immediately taking her to River Run. And mm-hmm. it's pretty cool how she knows this. She, you know, keeps an eye on the moss on the tree and which side it grows on. We learned that in the last chapter that she was paying attention to the moss. But uh in addition to that, we do get this backstory, as you were mentioning, of the Brotherhood Without Banners. We find out how they came to be. And they are, I guess, you know, King Robert's men still. King Robert's men. Like, that would be the, the king that they would serve if they served a king, except he's dead now. But they're choosing willfully not to join another... King, especially, um, unfortunately, Rob Stark. They will not. They're not gonna. They're not gonna join him. And so Arya um, ends up taking this up with Angai, who's you know basically described her as a captive, or she is. She's finding out that she's a captive along with Gendry. And Angai says that uh, we take all of our um, highborn captives to Lord Beric Dondarrion, and there's something about a uh, Lightning Lord that uh, they're going to see. And it, it's kind of frightening if you think about it because Arya doesn't quite know what uh, anything about the Red God. And in the meantime, she just – she realizes that she's not as free or as in good company. I mean Harwin lets her down. Well, in her in her mind, he does. He's not He's not doing anything that's going to cause her harm. In fact, taking her to someone who's affiliated with none of the, the living kings is probably the safest place for her to be. When you think about it, that's interesting. It's it's very hard for her to see that, especially since she's just gotten done being essentially a captive with with uh, Yorin going toward the wall and the captivity of of course she was a cupbearer to Lord Bolton and so now she's she's just kind of getting away from being in the the power of of one man or another and so to have fallen into the situation where she thought she was with someone that she trusted and now mm. she's just she's just literally been called a captive again she's like oh hell no and she puts her heels to her horse and she takes off and she leads them on a very merry chase through hill and dale i want to read this part is brilliant captive aria took a breath to still her soul calm as still water she glanced at the outlaws on their horses and turned her horse's head now, quick as a snake, she thought, as she slammed her heels onto the courser's flank. Right between Greenbeard and Jack Be Lucky, she flew and caught one glimpse of Gendry's startled face as his mare moved out of her way, and then she was in the open field and running. She gives every one of these men of the Brotherhood Without Banners um, a run for their money, a run through the trees. And it's really just this mad dash. That one word, captive, doesn't sit right with her. And she takes it upon herself to free herself from the situation. And I have to say that we have to admire that trait uh, for Arya uh, because other characters don't possess it. I mean, she gets pretty far, 
we see at the end she may not have ever really had a chance just because of who Angai is, you know, who he was raised to be and who Harwin is. But on the whole, that is the rising action of this chapter, I think, is, mm-hmm. is her, her mad you know, vie for freedom. I wanted to go back to what Kate said because I think it, it starts to really define Arya's character um, when she experiences more moments like this, right, with what really can be considered a personal betrayal. Uh, Harwin doesn't necessarily mean anything by it, and certainly he was doing what was in his own best interest to survive when he joined up with Beric Dondarrion. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he lied to her and he wasn't truthful with her, this is somebody who was her father's man. Mm-hmm. And that lack of honesty really starts to let Arya know deep down inside that the only person that she can trust is herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she increasingly feels abandoned. You know, if you go mm-hmm. back and you read through this chapter, uh, from what happened with Ned to what happened with Yorin, um, to Jack and Hygar even, to Hot Pie staying back, uh, you know, she, she's really limited on the people she has around her that she can trust. And right now, the only person that seems, um, possible to trust, uh, is Gendry. You know, Harwin has betrayed her in this way and she feels, uh, you know, really upset about it. And, and, and in part is why she takes off. But, uh, I think this is a, one of those chapters though, even we joked about it. I joked about it at the beginning there, there isn't a lot to it, but I think it, it's one of those chapters that really helps develop, uh, her character. Mm-hmm. I agree. Her, her just being like, whatever, I'm taking your horse and I'm leaving my <laughs> friends behind and what I'm just not interested in anything that's going on here. I will fend for myself. I don't even know which direction I'm going. It's very, it's very Aria. It's quintessentially Aria. Quintessentially Aria. Well, um, you know, the other thing too, I think it's Harwin that says like, I, oh, I have to do my duty to my brothers. And she's like, dude, I know your dad. You don't have any other brothers. And it's just a little bit of, I don't want to say naivete, but she's, she's slow to kind of learn that. I mean, this is her first real experience. I think that somebody who was her father's man is just no longer specifically her father's man. I mean, her father's her dad's dead, and she doesn't need that reminder, but it's given to her in this chapter that the world has changed. And I think it's actually quite profound what Kate said earlier about it being the safest place for her that she's with these guys who don't have an allegiance because I feel like more often than not in the South right now, you're going to find people who are or would be hostile to yeah. her. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting too to really get insight into what's going on on the other side because you don't always get the full story. But the fact that it's mentioned in this chapter how um, Tywin had plans for the mountain to draw Ned out and had Jamie not injured Ned, there's a good chance that Ned would have rode um, to to meet the mountain at some point. And, you know, they talked about how Tywin would have either had him killed or had him captured and exchanged him for Tyrion, who at the time was being held by Catelyn and Lysa Guys, remember that, guys? Remember how long ago that was? But it's almost, you don't even think of that because you're not inside the mind of somebody like Tywin, but to know that this plan was potentially in place and basically that Jaime screwed the whole thing up by attacking Ned in the streets and injuring his leg and that, of course, just eventually led to him losing his head at the end mm-hmm. of the first book. But 
you know, it's it's always the what if scenario. Mm-hmm. And the the other thing uh, that I want to mention here, being you know Arya's fate, is that they do feel like Lord Lord Beric is you know potentially going to let her go to Riverrun um, after they see him, but she doesn't want to wait. You know, she doesn't want to kind of take that chance. They kind of try and assure her that he's probably going to let her go, but then I guess the wording that they use, uh, Greenbeard, I believe, calls her a golden squirrel. <laughs> So it's just kind of, she doesn't like that. She's like, I have to get out of here right now. This guy's calling me a squirrel. People eat squirrels. I got to get out of here. So it's just really, it's cool how she does manage. I mean, there's like a page and a half of the galloping and like going through trees and finding herself. She's like, I just need to, I'll find my direction later. I just need to get away. And she more or less nearly, there's that feeling that she, she almost does. So it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. You got to um, admire characters who really take, take charge of their own destiny in the way that she did. And and honestly, like he gives her the option at the end to ride back in chains, which I think is like a sign of respect because he asks her if she wants to be chained or not. And I know nobody wants to like have dead weight on their hands, but Arya is able to ride. Um, she agrees to go peacefully. Mm-hmm. Well, also she is, she is like, she did give them a good chase, but she is also still just a little kid. And yeah. so I think that there is, there's some element of like, do we really want to threaten this little kid? Do we really want to be riding with a kid in chains? Like it's kind of, it seems a little inhumane. It's also, it's also a pretty good parenting strategy. Not that these are her parents, but they're definitely, you know, they're adults and she's a child. So to be, to be like, do you want to go to your room or don't you? To, to give them that choice and be uh, like, no, I don't want to go to my room. No, I'll it's be brave. Very, it's very, very effective. Very Still, effective parenting great praise from Harwin. When he does catch up to her, he says, you ride like a Northman, my lady. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. And we actually find out that uh, Lady Liana was also yeah. pretty good on horse. I like I like all the references that get made throughout the text of how much Arya resembles Liana more than anybody else. Like the fact that she, she always thinks of herself as being this horse face. They go into that a little bit. I remember in the first book, but um, oh. Ned tells her a couple times that she looks like Liana, and Liana was always considered this great beauty. Good for you, Arya. Good for you, Arya. And then we get to Sam, and from what I understand, this is going to be this is going to be a little bit of a debate between you and me, Eric. <laughs> this is. You a, didn't care for this chapter. Y- no, uh, the chapter's all right. <laughs> But, but you don't like Sam, is that it? It's it's the most pathetic chapter I've I've ever had to read. It's so, and it goes on and on. I listen to the audiobook, and the audiobook is great, but you really get a sense of just for how long Sam is whining, and he's going <laughs> through the snow. And so I would like to just intersperse our discussion with different quotes that I pulled uh, of Sam complaining. Uh, but it's because there are just so many of them there. I counted easily 20 different times when he's talking about how difficult it is to walk. And so, and look, if I were in a vast winter wasteland, like freeze frozen to the bone, I'm sure that I would not really be any better. And you uh, weighed about 150 pounds more y- yeah, than you yeah, do yeah, right I'm now. Sure. I'm pretty sure. lightweight now. So there's that. But he to was have- so fat he couldn't even keep his hilt on, right? I know. It's, it's which doesn't make sense because you'd think that it would stay no matter what. Here's the first one. If only I was stronger. He wasn't though, and it was no good wishing. 
Sam was weak and fat, so very fat. He could hardly bear his own weight. The male was much too much for him. <sighs> How does this not make you feel like endless empathy for this guy? Endless empathy? Well, okay, that's just the first one. All right, that's uh, we'll do some more in a minute. Um, in general, look, I, I think that a lot of this chapter lingers on. It's meant to. You're meant to feel. I think that you're it, meant to really understand sort of the pain that that not only Sam but all of these people are going through. Yes. I mean, it's it's pure and utter torture, right? I mean, the last time we saw Sam was in the epilogue. We didn't see from his perspective, right? But we saw. I'm sorry, the prologue. The epilogue sticks out in my mind for other reasons. I will find out much, much later on from this date. <laughs> um, but right, that was the first time that we that we saw him. Right, was with Chet. Right, and mm-hmm. so they they're on the run. These the, the men of the Night's Watch that that have escaped the fist are running for their lives. Right, and that's what you're supposed to feel here. That for as much of a whiner as Sam is, is it the best introduction to him in the world? Mm-hmm. No, but. You have to remember for for the last two books where we've been you know seeing him through Jon Snow's eyes, that's who he's been. You know he he has been somebody who complains a lot. He has been somebody who's not very sure of himself, mm-hmm. who is a bit uh, more more than a bit of a whiner, and you know. But at, at the same time, he's running for his life. I think most people who are in his situation would probably have a lot of the same experiences that he is right now. Yeah, I think that's where my love of this chapter comes from. Also, the fact that it is just a tremendous description of a fucking frightening battle. That's the strength of this is, is sure. the battle that comes at the very it comes at the very end and you're just like, oh thank God, it's awesome. The nice thing about Sam is that of all the men who are who are a part of this battle, he perhaps is the weakest um, and he is perhaps the one that we as non-hardened members of a medieval fantasy army can relate to. I find him very, very relatable. I may not be hideously overweight or anything, but I do know that I, I, in whatever fitness, fit shape I am right now, I definitely could not take on an undead ice bear. And so I feel that fear. The fear that Sam feels is a fear that I feel is extremely relatable. And so to to go through this chapter and he's just like slogging through the snow, he's describing all of the different garments he's wearing, like 16 layers to try to keep the cold out. But he's so cold, it doesn't matter. And he can't even feel his feet. And the weight of carrying his pack that's just covered in snow is driving this knife in the in the small of his back and he can feel it feels like someone's just wiggling it as he's walking like you feel you you know that pain you've definitely everyone has experienced pain like this before and you can just like paint yourself into this picture of sheer terror and discomfort as you're as you're slogging through this mess fighting for your life i think that is such a fucking great chapter to give you the earnest sense of what it's like, not only in this particular battle, but on on the ground in any battle you can imagine. This is this is an, a true account from a, a person who's a self-proclaimed coward, but at the end of this, he destroys a white walker using the very last scrap of wit or strength he has in himself whatsoever. He does something that nobody else in this battle has been able to do. And I think that that is awesome. It makes him, it makes him, turns him into from this, this 
person. He's always complaining about how fat he is and what a coward he is. And when you right. think about it, like we get the first person perspective. I'm sorry, that's a bit of a rant. But we, we get this pers- this first person perspective from these perspective cha- chapters. And you always get the way that the character feels about themselves. And so for him to just be constantly saying like, I'm a coward. I can't fight. I'm too fat. He has terrible self-esteem. That doesn't mean it's all true. He's just, he just feels like he's completely worthless. But as we see, he's not. He, he gets the ravens off for the most part. Well, he doesn't, the ravens, he doesn't get the last. He, he forgets to attach the letters to all the last, to all the birds at the end saying that they had actually well, he gets the he gets the first batch off. He gets the the right. he sends two batches of ravens off, and the first one he did he did send his letters to the the particular keeps, um, but he didn't he didn't actually get the second batch off. But I can't say it's how I would have done any better. That's the thing. I think maybe that's the the takeaway message from this is like Sam. He doesn't do everything right. He kind of botches things up, and he he manages to luck his way into survival. But I can't say it's how I would have done much better. You know. Like, I get you, Sam. I'm right there with you. Man, when you put it like that, aren't we all a little bit mediocre? Aren't we all just a little bit mediocre? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) You know, I have to say, this chapter does show a a great old bear and how old bear is able to handle Sam. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a quote here where he says, uh, it says, the old bear pointed a gloved finger right in Sam's face. Quote, I don't care if you're so scared you foul your breeches, and I don't care if a thousand wildlings are coming over the walls howling for your blood. You get those birds off, or I swear I'll hunt you through all seven hells and make you damn sorry that you didn't. <laughs> Sam was, yeah. and then, there, then of course, there's the obligatory. Sam was sorry. Sorry he hadn't been braver or stronger or good with swords, <sighs> that he hadn't been a better son to his father and a better brother to Dickon and the girls. He was sorry to die, too, but better men had died on the fist. So you get more of his kind of self-hate. Yeah. But, I mean, he's at least able to... The interesting... The practice that Sam does is he's actually pre-writing his letters uh, on parchment, which I thought was ingenious for his um, failing, because, like, he knows that he might not have time or might be too clumsy when the moment actually comes. Mm -hmm. So he's taking steps against that by writing these letters. Now, I don't know how much parchment they have, though, because at the end, he ends up writing, like, six different possibilities of how the battle could end, and he's just going to send off the letter that is relevant. But, like, I'm just wondering at this point, isn't it a waste of parchment? Is he going to end up needing to cross off a letter to make room for another letter? I don't don't necessarily think that parchment is something that they're going to... I mean, it's something they're carrying with them. Like, it has to be in limited supply, especially if the guy who's carrying it dies. Like, Let's talk about... Yeah, let's figure out... Let's really think about this parchment situation. He's wasting paper. Nobody's really even talking about it. He's wasting wasting parchment by doing this. I understand. I understand. I think it says a lot, though, uh, about Sam seeing as how his friends are willing to not let him die. Mm -hmm. And... Seeing it from Sam's perspective, for somebody who is so craven, and this is our first introduction to him because this is his first point of view char- uh, chapter in the entire mm-hmm. series. And he is very early on in this chapter, as he is in the series, painted as being a, a certain way. But I think it says something very strong about his character that his friends are not willing to let him sit there. The fact that small Paul picks him up and okay. carries him. Mm-hmm. I can't because imagine. Because Gren and Pip are, are really 
doing everything in their power to make sure that he just doesn't curl up and fall asleep in the snow. And I think not only does that say a lot about him, it says a lot about the character of the people who are in the Night's Watch. And I think part of it may have to do with the fact that they've already lost so many um, that they can't bear to see another one go down. But I think they also know that Sam, he's important. And, you know, there are things that he can do that he may not have a lot of belief in himself, but it seems like those that are closest to him have a lot of belief in him. Well, and I think this is the first time where I would disagree with Sam in the books, um, because he says that like the only reason these guys even are around him is because of John, because John like stood up for him that one time. Like they may see more value, like what you're saying, Micah, they may see more value in him um, than that. So maybe that's not the case, that they're only helping him because of their loyalty to John. I think there might be other reasons. And of course, his usefulness um, quadruples once the end of the chapter happens. But, you know, up at this point, it is saying something that Sam is being carried by Small Paul for a great distance. I mean, even when Small Paul sets him down, eventually he says, I would keep carrying you, but I can't. Um, and it's scary, I guess, to be in the situation where he's kind of delusional at this point, or he's kind of like, he wants to sleep and he doesn't, like, he isn't for the life of him able to get himself up. Like, the will is just gone. He wants to sleep. He feels comfortable under the snow and, like, being buried by it. And that's pretty dangerous. Like, all the guys kind of, yeah. even Gren tries to get him up because that is something that is not acceptable. Like, he will die if he stays still. Right. And there's, it's, it's, um, it's not necessarily a, a quality that's common for the rest of the members of the Night's Watch because we do see a scene where he's on his horse and somebody wearing black pulls him off his horse and throws him on the ground and steals his horse and rides away. So <laughs> we still, we still definitely do have these, the criminal element within the Night's Watch. I was going to say that was one very of much the out for themselves. Jerks. Yeah. Who was against the law. Yeah. So it is, it is more about, the kinds of friends that Sam has managed to make and the fact that, that they want to keep him alive. Um, even despite the fact that it's, it is impractical for them as far as their survival goes, he's not an easy burden to carry and he has no will to live. So that's that, that part does make him, you're just like, I understand where you're coming from in that situation, Eric, because it's like, just stand, just walk, dude, just stand up and walk. How hard can it be? But you start out with this chapter where he's just like, he's struggling to walk and he feels so, so beat down. And he, he is doing this whole, like, I'm such a craven. I'm such a fat ass kind of a thing. But then he goes through flashback style, everything that he's just been through in the last like two hours of his life or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty intense. Yeah. It's I mean, it's dramatic. He, he pees himself like four times, but it's like, then again, I've never seen a White Walker, and I can imagine that they're pretty terrifying. And if you ever yeah. fa like face death in the well, face. Well, you've seen one on TV. That's Well, that's true. And Kate <laughs> shared something with uh, the Twitter, like, seconds before we started recording. It was the makeup that they do for, for, for the White Walkers. The White Walkers no, it was, the, not the, it was not the official makeup. I just found oh, that on Reddit. It? Yeah, somebody's Halloween oh, Reddit. somebody did their own oh. thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe they need to work for the show. Then. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but they look uh, pretty um fear inspiring yeah but they're they're a terrifying thing and frankly peeing your pants not only is a, a sort of natural reaction but i bet when it's that cold out it would feel pretty good <laughs> there's a there's kind, of, there's kind of this funny part where sam like he pees his he pees his pants and he's like 
I didn't even know I had EP left. Yeah, yeah. Well, like his bladder felt frozen. But then there's this point where he like would cry, but he's like, no, that would just make my face colder when it froze. Yeah. Oh, Um, We finally get to see sort of the falling action of the prologue, right? Because Mm -hmm. when we start off this book, we're left with Chet pissing his pants. Mm -hmm. uh, And we know that the White Walkers are coming. But then we don't really get the full picture of what happened until this point of view chapter from Sam, where he's recalling uh, what happened on the fist of the first men. Right. That chapter is such a cliffhanger. Yeah. The three, the three horn blows and you get a lot more of, I mean, even though John or even though Sam is in like a, he's like peripheral responsibility, right? It is the Ravens. It's pretty important, but he's kind of uh, off to the side, not really fighting. Um, you know, he, he's still got a job to do and seeing him go to action while the other men go to action around him is is exciting just to see how all that works. Plus, we know from the previous chapter that that's where um, Mance Raider ends up, you know, kind of chilling and seeing kind of the aftermath of what Sam is now recalling. So I like the way that this is kind of, it is a flashback in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the show, I th- try to remember, but... I think they took it in a bit of a different direction because the second season ended with the White Walkers, right? Moving past Sam. I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was about ready to piss his pants, Mm. (laughs) which seems to be a recurring theme for people who uh, are beyond the wall. Uh, And then, of course, you know, at the end of this chapter, he kills a White Walker, but it's not until uh, there is a White Walker who threatens Gilly and her baby that he kills right in, in the show. Correct. So we're starting to really find moments where plots have been rearranged in order to, or at least here events have been rearranged in order to fit the plot uh, for the show. But clearly there's a lot more book and a lot more canon than there is um, television time. So, I'm I'm looking forward to how the stories differ and kind of reading that through with Eric and Zach to see how they feel and the reactions that they have um, as as more of this will change moving forward. True. I wanted to also talk quickly about um, just the effect that is described for the White Walker dying um, versus what was in the show. Um, because in the show, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like he f- like freezes up, becomes actual ice, and then cracks and shatters. He does like a sub-zero. Uh, yeah, really? Uh, yeah, like a sub-zero. Ice fire. Funny, you should mention Mortal Kombat. Uh, but in the show, it's like it's really cool. Like layer by layer, the White Walker melts and, and appears to like liquefy and becomes a puddle. And I was thinking that that had more to do with being like supremely hot. You know, and, and when um, Chet goes to pick up, I think it's, no, it's Gren, uh, goes to pick up the blade and he, he drops it again and he's like, ow! And Sam's like, oh, what what is it? He's like, it's so cold. I was expecting it to actually be like super, super hot. I thought that would be like really cool touch mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of the thing. But apparently it's really cold. So I don't know, like there is some melting that goes on. Like it's kind of a melting effect in the book, which I thought was particularly interesting. But there's a great moment just before he... Uh, goes and and stabs the uh, the White Walker. I think we should read it. Okay, go for it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Do it now. Stop crying and fight, you baby. Fight, Craven. It was his father. He heard. 
it was Alizer Thorne, right? Did I get it right that time? Alizer? Alizer? I I always call him Elizer. Oh. Oh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's Alistair Thorne. It was his brother Dickon and the boy Rast. Craven, Craven, Craven. He giggled hysterically, wondering if they would make a white of him. A huge, fat, white, white, always tripping over its own dead feet. (laughs) Do it, Sam. Was that John now? John was dead. You can do it. You can. Just do it. And then he was stumbling forward, falling more than running, really, closing his eyes and shoving the dagger blindly out before him with both hands. He heard a crack, like the sound ice makes when it breaks beneath a man's foot, and then a screech so shrill and sharp that he went staggering backward with his hands over his muffled ears and fell hard on his arse. So even Sam... I should say, even in this moment, he's still a bumbling idiot, but he's able <laughs> to get the job done. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a little bit of a, a failure here, I think, um, for not just for Sam, but for Gren as well. Because um, like, they don't pick up um, the White White's, White Walker's uh, sword, um, which I thought was also kind of supernaturally described. Uh, I want to quote here. Um, let's see here. The whites had been slow, clumsy things, but the other was light as snow on the wind. It slid away from Paul's axe, armor rippling, and its crystal sword twisted and spun and slipped between the iron rings of Paul's mail through leather and wool and bone and flesh. It came out his back with a hiss, and Sam heard Paul say, Oh, as he lost the axe. Impaled his blood smoking around the sword, the big man tried to reach his killer with his hands and almost had, before he fell, the weight of him tore the strange pale sword from the other's grip. This strange pale sword, I wish that they had just picked it up before they left. Because um, to me, it seems, I don't know, somehow sharper than the other swords in the do area. You, do you think that it survived the melting? Uh, well, yes, because it wasn't. In the White Walker's possession when he got killed. Mm. Well, you know, I don't know if that necessarily matters. If it was oh, still supernatural like, in some way. Could they yeah. be like supernaturally tied to their weapons? Like that would be kind of cool. Right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like Ivan Ooze and all the stuff is like made out of the same ooze. And then it goes back to... Never mind. I got all you. Right. <laughs> so on that note, speaking of ooze. Yeah. Let's I talk. think it's time for owns. Let's Oons. talk about who's and ahs and owns. So first up is for Arya. For Arya. I have this policy, I keep mentioning it, where I don't give the own to the point of view character. Uh, this chapter in particular was really, really hard not to do that because Arya just makes a run for it and wins. But let's not forget who was actually doing the running. I'm going to give the own to Arya's horse for um, you know, obeying her for command. Running. Yeah, for running, basically, and and for obeying her commands, being able to handle the weight. By the way, it was Roose Bolton's horse, right? It was she Roose said Bolton's he took, horse. took the best one he had. Probably the best thing about Roose Bolton as a character. Is, is his, his horse. horse. Mm-hmm. So on to uh, Roose Bolton, formerly Roose Bolton, and uh, currently Arya's horse for going with her as sp- heat of the moment and um, lasting as long as uh, Arya wanted it to. My own for this chapter for the Arya chapter goes to Gendry because Wait, I like he doesn't do anything in this chapter. Hey, who gets Sorry. you don't get to call other people's owns into question? Yeah, well, Are you kidding? Okay, okay who all does right. that? You're, sorry, it's just me. My own goes to Gendry in this chapter because he doesn't do anything. Micah, Wait, your turn. So you're agreeing with me? 
<laughs> You're actually no, agreeing with me. I actually, I don't have any owns for this chapter because I don't think it was a very spectacular one. And I like Gendry as a character. Let so. the records show that oh, it's perfectly acceptable to give an own for no good reason. Okay. But mm-hmm. I just want to point out that that was no good reason. Let's move wow. On. Um, my own actually goes to Arya's dream. And it, and I know that it says that she dreamt of home, not River Run, but Winterfell. Uh, but I thought that you could apply this to something else that's coming up, uh, because the dream goes like this. She was alone outside the castle, up to her knees in mud. She could see the gray walls ahead of her, but when she tried to reach the gates, every step seemed harder than the one before, and the castle faded before her until it looked more like smoke than granite. And this passage just reminded me a lot of when she is coming up to the twins for the Red Wedding. Mm -hmm. And no matter what she tries to do, she can't get inside. And the Hound obviously plays a role in that. But um, just this this particular dream, um, we know that she's um, had some wolf dreams in the past. So I wonder if they're prophetic in a way as well. And this dream beats the hell out of the dreams that Sansa is having. Living with Willis, having kids that look like her brothers, you know, whatever. Um, I think Arya's dream is much more interesting. For those reasons that you just stated. By the way, the the nice folks on Watchers of the Wall called me out on my shit and said that I was being too hard on Sansa on our last episode. And <laughs> I agree. I was a little hard on her. So thank you for the spirited discussion. Aww. Now, how about Sam? Mm, my own goes to Small Paul. For, yeah, I agree with you. For just kid, He was like, Sam's like, I'm too fat to carry it. Small Paul's like, yo, I, ca- I carried a cow once so you're fine it was heavier than you yeah i uh i'm gonna agree we have a three-way own i think this week a throne (laughs) a throne (laughs) (laughs) yay small paul's got it yes and uh, an honorable mention to the obsidian dagger that performed above expectations i would say (laughs) i would say so (laughs) it did a lot more than sam thought it was gonna do but he did hit his neck so there's that uh, okay, well, let's uh, take a moment here, and uh, I'm going to take a gander over on social media and see what we got going with our Game of Owns Twitter account. We called for Owns just before recording. And what are the interwebs saying? Yes. The interwebs <laughs> saying? <laughs> you know, bless the listeners and followers on Twitter. We have one from uh, Louis-Philippe Pilon. Uh, who says, uh, an hour ago when we first asked, I read the book last summer, don't remember a thing, but my own goes to Arya, cause, well, she's Arya Stark. <laughs> what more do you need? <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Louis Philippe. Marcin says, actually, this is kind of a sidebar slash own. Uh, Marcin tweeted us recently and said, I was listening to the Samwell chapter while running through a cold, dark forest. <laughs> and parenthesis, I probably need a headlight. So I'm sure that uh, is always scary when the setting that you are in matches the setting in the book. Oh, that would be so creepy. Well, right? For the- That would be so creepy reading that chapter while reading running through a cold, dark forest. Ugh. I guess it'd be kind of good running motivation, though. You know, that does conclude uh, the brief section of owns from Twitter that we did get. But I wanted to say we did also hear from several people on Twitter who said that they recently subscribed to Patreon. And we want to thank you guys for that. Yeah, thank you so much. We just put up our chapter two of special bonus content on Patreon, which is 
in an unprecedented video format. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We did it. We have a technically a video file for our our intro on Patreon, which you should listen to if you haven't already. But it is a true video with actual video footage of I, I would say what like um a startlingly accurate Jamie and Danny deleted scene that we start out with at the beginning. Uh-huh. And uh and then it, it goes into our our regular audio stuff, but but Zach put a bunch of random visual treats in there for people <laughs> who want to stare at this video for an hour. And then of course there's Eric's infamous beer review, which should infamous. not be missed should not be so. missed i'm getting responses people are getting the beer you're going out and finding the beer still <laughs> because of this review so i want to say thank yes. you everybody uh awesome. magic black yeah black. i just i just saw this tweet um where she said that your review was just so enlightening and helpful that she had to run out and get a bottle <laughs> herself it's funny because my review is mostly like trying to find words <laughs> to describe the beer while i hold it but you know it's the magic of editing and i have to say that it's so exciting to be on video for patreon now and it's like a cool opportunity and um i spent a lot of time set dressing at in my kitchen which was the uh for a brief period of time the map room and um, it, oh, in case anybody wants to see, there is actually an Instagram video on the Game of Owns Instagram where Zach did a preview of uh, the Chapter 2, we call it, which is our, our second fa- wave of um, content for Patreon subscribers. And the preview is actually part of my beer review. And it's funny because the first um, comment that was on that, I, I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but the first comment on that review was actually, I'm going to pull it up here. It's from Brittany Woodell, who says, quote, wait, is that seriously what Eric looks like? <laughs> not no, it, not yeah. what I was, there's still a that quote. That is unsettling. Not what I was hearing in my head at all. You need to ask her to elaborate on Eric, that. Eric, Zach has to tell you that he is... Your wizard and godparent. You're texting. Oh. Tell him you're, I am his wizard, wizard and godparent. Yeah, you're texting, texting him now. He texted me. Oh, <laughs> in the middle of the show. <laughs> um, no, I'm just. There's well, a no texting policy. So I have to um, break it to you guys that uh, viewer, listener, beware. Okay, if you do subscribe to us on Patreon, a little bit of a fair warning. You're going to find out what we look like, and it may not be what you're expecting. I just want to do a disclaimer. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know what Brittany was expecting that I look. <laughs> like based on my voice i it's probably best not to ask but because i'm vain i'm going to ask uh her to follow up in just a moment on yeah Facebook, no but- I, I absolutely think she should follow up yeah yes <laughs> you want to know too <laughs> but we are thrilled uh to be in the video format and i know kate does videos all the time so this is old hat That's for her fine. but uh we're gonna. We're thrilled to break into that new format. In addition to the, the our content that we already love providing um, from little random bits and pieces around the show. So if you do want to find out more about that, there's going to be more preview videos and things that uh, we'll be sure to share, like the one on Instagram. Every time we do it, and you can go over to Patreon.com/goo for all of that. And our Instagram for those interested is Instagram.com/gameofowns. Ooh. Oh, let's talk about social then. Uh, people who send us owns, we thank you. Of course, you did that uh, on today's episode through Twitter, twitter.com slash Game of Owns. But you can also go over to Facebook where we invite you all the time to scroll upon our wall. That address is facebook.com slash Game of Owns. More people better give us owns next time because 
We didn't get hardly any this week, and that will not do. You know what it is? I, th- I think we're distracting them too much with uh, the other posts that we put up there. Like we put up one of a player from the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, over the weekend. <laughs> you mean Tormund who, Giants Bane? Who bears a strong resemblance to uh, Tormund Giants Bane. And actually, Brent Smith um, replied to the post that we made, and he said, with a question mark, husband to bears, and then he put a picture below it of Mike Ditka being hoisted on the shoulders of a number of Chicago Bears. So ah. I see what they're doing there. See, you see how creative our listeners are. But so I agree. Creative. We uh, we have uh, another two chapters that are coming up that uh, I'm sure we'll go into a little bit more at the end of the show. But before we get there, there is another way that uh, listeners can leave their feedback, and that is on iTunes. iTunes. It is still... And this will probably be the final episode of October, but it is still the month of October, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. That's right. Uh, we read a review on the last show, I believe, from Arsenio Hall, uh, who <laughs> talked about boning down when he listens to the show. Uh, but we did get a few more since then, uh, so just going to share a few Please of do. them here Please real do. quickly. Uh, first one is from One Surfer Carl, who says, hands down, the mostest podcast on GOT out there in the interverse. Nice. We're the mostest? We, hands down, the mostest podcast on Game of Thrones out in the interverse. Nice. Nice. Four exclamation points. Wow. All right. Uh, next one is from Hawkeye6624, who uh, dubs us his new best friends. Oh. He says, this podcast deserves five stars due to the fact that you can tell they enjoy interacting with each other and the listener comments. I just binge listened to all these episodes and they were all worth it, especially the end of A Midsummer's Dream. Hashtag, tell your father. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Tell your father I'm here. He he can't even think about it without laughing hysterically. (laughs) Oh, my God. It still gets her. That's uh, what I love. Final one here from Katie Joe eighty four, who uh, titled her review "Oh So Gooey." Mm. Mm. I started listening to Game of Owns to supplement reading the books for the first time. Little did I know that I would soon become a regular listener. The hosts are great and do not spoil past the current show watcher status. The mix of a few having read the books before and a few reading for the first time is great for relating to a large audience. Thank so you, Katie. thank you, Katie. That's probably one of the most brilliant things we ever did was not read the books. <laughs> yeah, Kate, I can't believe what we're, you know, uh, it's what such a good thinking? idea that we uh, decided not to read. Uh, so I'm comfortable with my decisions. Thank you, everyone, for leaving us reviews on iTunes. Absolutely. And we're seeing a lot of new listeners here, which, which I enjoy um, seeing their reviews in particular, because this is why... Um, we do what we do, and it it makes it so much easier for those who are looking for something like this to listen to, to have people who just started listening themselves talk about the show, what they think, and uh, of course, we always enjoy reading your feedback on the show. We do, especially when it's something that Micah can get angry about. <laughs> So leave there was us nothing five stars. overly offensive. Yeah, <laughs> leave, leave us five stars, but then leave something that Micah can get angry about because leave that us, makes for good radio. Yeah, right there. yeah. Like a single questionable <laughs> phrase like "That's really what you look taxi at." Taxi like? diver or <laughs> taxi diver. <laughs> it's a free show. 
it is. I will never, ever, ever get over that. Unless you subscribe oh to Patreon. So please don't. And, or please don't get over that. Of course, we want you please to subscribe. But I did mention earlier, we we do have two chapters upcoming next week. We uh, Tyrion and Catelyn. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we want your, your uh, odes. We want your thoughts. We want your feedback uh, for those two chapters. And uh, we're telling you now, and, and, and I know we, we had that we had that other bit of homework from last week. And on top of that, we gave you the, the chapters. But this week, it's just the chapters. Just, just the two chapters. Just read a couple of little chapters with us. A couple chapters. One is 17 pages. The other is 12. We all know you spend all your time on the fucking social media anyway. <laughs> yeah. So just take five <laughs> seconds out of your day and write something. It doesn't even have to relate to the chapter. <laughs> all you have to say is, my own goes to Tyrion. Whatever. Peace out, and then go back to right. Like, right, do what Kate did for the Arya chapter, and just make shit up. Just make yeah, shit don't up. Even give it own. Mm-hmm. My own, my own ghost to fucking Daenerys's dragons. This wasn't a Danny <laughs> chapter. I don't give a shit. They're they got mentioned. The whole, they're owning the whole story anyway. And if you have comments or feedback, we also need to mention the email address: contact at gameofowns.com. Who emails anymore? I mean, well, plenty of <laughs> people email. Do we have any? Because they have to. Do we have emails? Let's have. Let's take a look. Let's take, gets, a, they, take a little look see, shall we? Hey, you know what? Now that I mentioned it, let's go all into it. Uh, contact at gameofowns.com. I'm pulling up. Oh, yes, actually, Erica Furman wrote in with owns for both chapters. What Yay, is this? Erica Furman! All right, Erica Furman, thank you. She says, <laughs> for this week's two chapters, I have one own for both chapters. Oh, no, I don't like where this is going it's the weather in Arya's <laughs> chapter it was raining see this is a perfectly legitimate own well by no, the way. it also it also wraps up the show very very well the we started the we show started talking, about, talking about the weather oh uh, it's perfect okay okay here's here's the rest of it the weather in Arya's chapter it was raining all the time and you can't forget the moss on the trees that helps Arya know they aren't going the right direction and in Sam's chapter the snow and the cold wasn't helping him get to safety he just wants to give up basically and she signs this love Erica Erica beautiful thank you so much that was a great own and a great way to wrap up the show yeah thanks for listening we'll see you next week hopefully we'll be more Zachful next week ooh Zach aplenty yeah more Zachful more Zach minded I would I would recommend that People pledge to Patreon for just the one month just to hear this chapter two and watch the videos because the yeah, review is fucking out of this world. It is so funny. And uh, it's so yeah, good, it's causing it. people to drink. It's the magic it's of it is causing people to go out and drink it. I think and we are I holding think... it hostage behind a paywall. That's true. So, but 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 the rest of our show is and will forever be free. We do want to mention right, that. There's right. there's no cause for concern there. This is just extra stuff that we do on the side for you. Um you know, so we appreciate it. Uh thank you so much for listening. I'm Eric Skull and I really don't look how I sound. I'm Kate Welch, I look exactly how I sound. And I'm Micah and I have no clue how to follow that up. <laughs> it's a free show. Good night, everyone. See you next week. (laughs)